Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Oh, it's so good to see you. Hey, I want to share a funny story with you. I feel I was feeling pretty stinking good when I woke up this morning because I dreamt last night that I woke up at like 11.30 a.m. on Sunday morning, and I was, there is no kind of panic, like the kind of panic you have when you've either walked up to the platform and suddenly realized you don't have your sermon ready, or this took it to the next level because I wasn't even at church, I was still sleeping, and that was a special kind of panic. So I felt really good when I woke up at like 6.30. I thought, okay, we're good, we've got plenty of time to get there. So it's great to be with you this morning and not at home oversleeping. All right, let's share from Psalm chapter 84 this morning. I want to share with you verses 1 and 2 and also verse 4. Prepare your hearts to receive this word this morning. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns and even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. We are gathered here this morning to lift our voices, to to open up ourselves to the holy God who will meet us here, and we believe that he will meet us here with a word for his people, and so um, I invite you to pray with me this morning. Gracious God, thank you, Lord, for this holy space that we can gather together, Lord, to share our praise and worship, to worship as a body. Lord, to connect to one and connect with one another in fellowship and in worship. God, I just pray that you would meet us here in this space. Lord, I just pray that you would speak a special word to our hearts this morning. Lord, I pray that you would meet those in a special way who are especially hungry for you today, who recognize that their, their whole being cries out for more of the living God to fill us. I pray, Lord, that you would be uh, ready to meet us with more of you this morning. Lord, our hearts do long for you. God, help us to to pause and to not rush past that longing that we all deeply have. Lord, I pray that you would instead just help us to pause in and meet you in your presence this morning. God, we love you, and we are excited to worship you together today. Meet us here, and we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen. Let's worship together. This song of ours 
this morning. Amen. Would you continue in an attitude of worship and just continue to offer up your prayers and your praise to God? King Jesus, may it not be lost on us what a powerful name yours is. May that just sink in this morning. Let us not rush past it, but instead let us meditate and fix our eyes on King Jesus. Let us contemplate the power that is in that name. Lord Jesus, we recognize your power, your goodness, your perfect love. And Lord, we praise you and we are thankful for how you in in all of that perfection, you came and you met us in the middle of our mess. You stepped into our world. You moved into our neighborhood. You walked with us. You met us where we were and you continue to meet us where we are. You meet us, Lord, first with love and mercy and grace. And Lord, it's because of that that we can come humbly before you this morning and contemplate on what a wonderful name it is of our King Jesus who lives, who reigns, but also who met us where we were and gave his life for us. Lord Jesus, in the midst of that, you modeled for us what it looks like to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. And you modeled, Lord Jesus, what it looks like to truly love our neighbor or the other as ourselves. You gave your life for the other. You were constantly serving the other. Lord, as we think about this word, I pray that it would be heard with fresh ears as we talk about the call to love God with all we are and to love our neighbor or the other as ourself. I pray, Lord Jesus, that these would be your words once again for your people that you would speak the message that you have for us to each person, meet them where they are, and help us, Lord, to be ready to respond in obedience to loving others as you have loved us. That is our mission, and I just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would reignite our passion for this mission. Help us, Lord, to be people who go and serve and love. Lord, we love you. We ask all these things knowing that the, the, the name of Jesus who goes before us will be with us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
Well, I have been greatly anticipating this new series that we are going to be in this summer. Um, hopefully you saw a little bit of a, of a peek this week on Facebook or if you receive our newsletters. Um, if you don't, make sure you let us know that you would like to be on that list so that you can uh, always know what's coming up and, and what's going on. And so um, I have been excited to dive into this series that, that we are calling The Art of Neighboring. And this is going to be a series that we will be in all summer long, um, and, and I know that sounds a little daunting, but there is a lot for us here, and I'm, uh, the, the inspiration for this series is this book that some of you may have read before. It's called The Art of Neighboring. I didn't get too clever with the title. I simply just used that title because I thought, why change it? it it's, it's good enough as it is, so um, there's a lot of great uh, stuff for us in this book that I want to pull from as we look at these uh, passages over the next several weeks and as we talk about what what it looks like uh, to be a Christ-like neighbor. Not just a good neighbor, that's important, but we want to be Christ-like neighbors. Uh, as I've been thinking about this series for uh, several weeks now, and in, 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 uh, as I was preparing for this sermon, I, I was reflecting and thinking about the different neighborhoods Bo and I have lived in over the years. Um, and, and I find that often, not always, there's always exceptions, but I find that, that we are often very disconnected from the people who live around us. Uh, and whether that's we are the ones who are disconnected or they perhaps might be the ones who are disconnected. But I know for Bo and I, um, we've always felt this calling to, to be connected to our neighbors in all seasons of life. And, and it's often been difficult for us to be able to connect to neighbors. And, and I have experienced, I've come to find in my experience that I think it's because we, um, it's very easy for us to live our own individual lives. It's very easy for us, especially in the Western world, uh, American individualism is uh, a, little bit of a, a little bit of a tricky thing sometimes because it's so easy for us to get caught up in our own separate lives with our heads down, not even looking at those around us, um, and not even having a clue uh, who lives near us. And for many of us, we might live near these people for the majority of our lives, or at least for a significant portion of our lives and, and we are spending a lot of time around these people. When you think about proximity, these are people who we spend a lot of time around. And yet, often, we don't even know their names, let alone know their stories. And so I want to do a quick exercise with us, with you this morning. And I don't want you to raise your hands. No, no raising your hands. I don't want to put anyone on the spot or embarrass anyone. But I do want you to think about this. So there's an image on the screen and this image is going to be one that we look to quite a bit over the next several weeks. And if you can see that, I want you to imagine, so right in the middle is your house. And I want you to picture your neighborhood. And I want you to imagine, think about the people who live right in front of you. You see their house every morning as you leave for work or as you leave to go about your day. And then I want you to imagine the people directly behind you, assuming you have some people behind you. And then I want you to think about the people that are on your left. Think about your neighbors that are on your right. Can you imagine them? Can you picture their houses? Do you have these houses and maybe these faces in your mind? I wonder if you know the names of these neighbors that you're thinking of, that you're imagining in your mind. And for some of you, these neighbors might not 
be within walking distance. You might have to drive down to their house. I understand that. Not everybody lives in a, in a neighborhood where houses are right, you know, right outside your door. But I want you to imagine, do you know the names of these neighbors that are closest to you? In this graphic, it's our eight closest neighbors. Do you know their names? Can you think of their names? Do you know their last name? You get bonus points if you know their last name. Maybe you only know their last name. But I want you to imagine, do you know their names? And if you know their names, that's a great start. I'm, I'm going to be very pleased if you know the names of your neighbors, especially all eight. If you can name all eight of your closest neighbors by their names, then that is really good. And I would say that you're ahead of a lot of Americans and their neighbors. But now I want you to think about something you might know about these neighbors. So you might know their name, and if you know their name, do you know something about them? And, and the trick is it can't be something that you can just see from standing outside your door, like what color car they drive or, or you know, what kind of pet they might have out in their yard. But after talking with these neighbors or meeting them one time, is there something that you know about them? Maybe what do they do for a living? How many kids do they have? Do they have kids? Do they have grandkids that come over? What are, what are some things that they hope to see within the lives of their kids? What are just some hopes and dreams that they might have that have come out in, in maybe an initial conversation with them? Do you know something about them? And then I want you to think of a third component. I want you to, to ask yourself, do, you, do I know something about these neighbors, one or, or some of these neighbors, Something that I would only know after connecting on a deeper level. Something that doesn't just come out in the initial conversation. For instance, do you know what their spiritual beliefs are? Where they are spiritually? Do you know if they have any kind of religious affiliation? Do you know something painful about them? Something that they carry that is painful? It's a painful part of their past. Do you know something that they've been through that's difficult or something that they are currently going through that's difficult? This is not something that you generally understand or learn in the first conversation, although that could happen sometimes too. But I want you to think about these three levels when it comes to your neighbors. So according to this book, um, the authors of this book did a little bit of a survey among the different churches that they would uh, speak to and visit. And according to that survey... About 10% of the people surveyed knew the names of their eight closest neighbors. 10%. I'm assuming that's all eight. They knew all eight of their neighbors' names that are the closest to them. About 3% knew something about their neighbors, something that you could learn after one conversation with them. And less than 1% knows something deeper about all eight of their neighbors. Less than 1%. I think that's proof, some proof, that we are really good at living our own separate lives disconnected from the world around us. And so my prayer for this series is to do at least one of a few things. My prayer for this series is that that some of us who might not know the names of our neighbors, that we will begin to at least learn their name. My prayer for, uh, for many of us is that we would begin to learn the stories of our neighbors and who they are. My prayer for this series is that we would feel inspired and and called and encouraged to know our neighbors deeper and to know how we can care for them. 
how we can love them. My prayer throughout this series is that that we would prayerfully discern when we're thinking about our neighbors, who needs Jesus? Who doesn't know Jesus? Who needs Jesus? Who needs love? Who is living in complete isolation and needs community? Who's completely alone and doesn't have anyone? Because it's my opinion, it's my personal opinion that Christians ought to be the best neighbors out there. We ought to be among the very best neighbors in the world. It's our duty, it's our calling, and I hope that this series will encourage us to do that, and I, I think we'll get some tangible ways that we can begin to live this out. And so um, it's, it's just kind of with that groundwork that I want to invite you to stand in the honor of uh, the reading this morning from Luke chapter 10, this well-known passage from Luke chapter 10, beginning with verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your strength and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And just who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord this morning. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As I indicated a few moments ago, We know this passage really well. If you've been in church for any length of time, you have likely heard not one or two or even three sermons on this passage, but you've probably heard many sermons on this passage. This is one that I've heard preached several times, and not only that, but there are so many things you can gain from this passage. And a a preacher can go so many different directions with this one passage. And there's a lot here that we won't even come close to getting to today. But what I wanted this passage to be for us this morning is is sort of a catalyst for the series, something that, that reminds us of what we are called to do, and also perhaps to remind us that when it comes to what we know and what we read as the greatest command after loving God with all of ourselves, that perhaps we have become numb to this calling to love our neighbor as ourself. 
And here's why I think we've become numb to it, not only because we've heard it so many times, but I think we've become, we've let this passage become numb because we understand that the very basic uh, point of this passage is that Jesus was not reducing this command down to our literal neighbor. We understand that. We understand that, that Jesus was not talking about your literal neighbor alone, and that's who you are to love. And so sometimes I think that in understanding that, that we actually overlook completely the very neighbors, the literal neighbors that are all around us. We, we know and understand that the very essence of Jesus' answer is that love is not to be reduced down to specifics. It's not another box to check. And I think that we also understand that the lawyer, although he was perhaps probably really interested in knowing, hey, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life, Jesus? I would imagine he really wanted to know who doesn't want to know the answer to that question. Of course we want to know, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Because I want to make sure I do that thing. Jesus answers him. He asks the question again. Whoa, whoa, wait, just so I don't miss it, Jesus. Who is my neighbor again? I don't want to miss it. I want to make sure I get that whole box checked completely. So who exactly is my neighbor? And so even though the lawyer may have been interested genuinely in knowing what he needed to do, I also wonder, was it possible that he was looking for another box that he could check? And, and also, are we, is it possible that we are also looking for another box that we can check? And so we, we wonder, well, who exactly was he referring to? If he wasn't referring to my literal neighbor, who is it exactly? And how do I go about this? Does Jesus really mean that I have to love everyone in this way? Surely not everyone. Does he really mean that I actually have to love everyone in this way? And I think that in understanding and saying that everyone is our neighbor, that can be a great excuse for avoiding particular people in a particular location at particular times. It's, it's possible that we overanalyze it to the point where we actually don't do anything at all. Oh, it's so overwhelming. Uh, it, we just don't do anything at all. It's one of those, like, if you aim for everything, you tend to hit nothing kind of a thing, you know? Like, when you're just aiming for everything, you're not very focused or fixed on any particular thing, and so you actually don't hit anything at all. Sometimes I wonder if in reading this parable, we take it really literally, and we're only looking for the wounded enemy laying on the side of the road. I don't know about you, but I actually haven't come across any of those lately. I haven't come across any of my enemies lying half dead on the side of the road. So if that's not who we're finding and, and who we might be looking for, then how exactly are we doing what Jesus said is the most important thing we could do after loving God with all of ourselves? I think it's dangerous to try and pinpoint who Jesus was referring to, certainly. By trying to figure it out, we actually limit our own responsibility in this great command. Jesus doesn't specify that we are just to reach our literal neighbors, but I also think that doesn't disqualify us from beginning with our literal neighbors. But what I don't want you to take from this series is that in referring to our literal neighbors, which is what we're going to be doing, that's the point of this series, we're going to be talking a lot and thinking a lot about the neighbors around us. But what I don't want you to, to gain from this series is that I'm saying only focus on your neighbors and don't ever think about anyone else. That's not what we're saying 
I don't want you to get so fixated on your literal neighbor that you forget to look for the neighbors all around you at work, at school, at the grocery store, at the gym, wherever you might find yourself. We're not saying that that Jesus was only referring to our literal neighbors, although we will talk about that a lot over the next several weeks. Because we can and should recognize that there are probably a lot of missed opportunities in our actual neighborhoods. In regards to the story, go back to the parable. We, we think about this Samaritan, this, the goodness of this Samaritan. And we understand, it's kind of basic uh, concepts to understand that this Samaritan represented a particular person or people group that was marginalized and, and highly despised. We know this, right? The, the Samaritans were considered uh, less than human to Jewish people. They were often referred to as dogs. They, they were often just looked, they looked to Samaritans as less than. They, they, they thought because of their ethnic and national identity, they're actually not worth anything at all. And some of Jesus' own followers wondered how they might go about destroying this particular people group. They thought they were only worthy of destruction. And yet, when it comes to a Jewish man that is laying on the side of the road, beaten, half dead, it's not the priest who comes to help him. It's not the Levite that comes to help him. It was the despised Samaritan. Everyone else kept their distance for whatever religious reason they had. I think they probably had their own religious reasons, but they kept their distance where the despised Samaritan moved in. He moved in closely. I learned this week that Luke, in his writings, he would often use physical distance and places to demonstrate practical theology. And so this being one of those examples, the Samaritan is the one who closed the gap between this man who was practically dead, almost dead, and the first person who was actually willing to come and help him. And here's what I want to make really clear this morning. I don't think anyone in this room would see a person laying half dead on the side of the road and go out of their way to avoid them. I don't. I don't think any of us in here would have it within us to do that. I don't even think anyone in this room would go out of their way to avoid an enemy, a sworn enemy for whatever reason, who is lying half dead on the side of the road. I don't think we would have it in us. I hope we wouldn't. I don't think we would. But I was thinking this week, How often do we go out of our way to avoid that really annoying neighbor? How often do you go out of your way to avoid that neighbor whose teenager does not turn off their ridiculously loud music at midnight when you have to get up and go to church the next day? How often do we go out of our way to avoid that neighbor who just won't mow his grass For whatever reason, he won't, and it's such an eyesore for your beautiful neighborhood. How often do we go out of our way to avoid that annoying neighbor who won't bring his or her dog in the house, and the dog just barks and barks and never stops barking? How often do we go out of our way to avoid that annoying neighbor that you just don't have time for today? I just, ain't nobody got time for that today, and so I'm just going to avoid eye contact and get into my house as quickly as I can. We might not leave someone half dead on the side of the road, but we will 
do all things to avoid that neighbor. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm not alone in this, am I? Because I've done that. I've avoided my neighbors before. I confess. I'm not proud of it. Even if you don't feel this way about your neighbors, even if you're like, my neighbors are fine, I like them just fine. Yeah, I don't go out of my way to get to know them and talk to them, but I like them just fine. I wonder if we're missing the bigger point here that if we aren't even willing to connect with and tangibly love the people who are the most convenient for us, your neighbors, because they're really, they're right there, it's very convenient, right outside your door. If we aren't even willing to do that, I wonder how often are we missing the the enemy that's laying half dead on the side of the road, if you will. If we can't even practice uh, tangible love for neighbor, would we even notice the enemy that's wounded and, and lying on the side of the road? This is what I was thinking about this week. See, the Samaritan, he had a really really good reasons for going the opposite way to avoid the Jewish man that was lying on the side of the road. The Samaritan could have, he he had good reasons to fear this man, and good reason, at least from how we look at it, you know, we think he would have good reason to just keep on walking because the Jews never did him any favors, right? This was his worst enemy. Yet the Samaritan not only went out of his way to save him, but he went out of his way to provide healing and support and love for him. And I just wonder, even though this is a fictional person in Jesus' fictional story, I wonder, could he have done that if he wasn't even willing to show basic love for his neighbors? That's just a thought. We have to know, church, that even though our neighbors aren't dying on the side of the road. They're not wounded, left half dead on the side of the road. We have to know and understand that many, if not most of them, are dying spiritually. And each day that goes by, they are more and more separated from the reality of God, and therefore they're dying. They're dying spiritually. And so we have to know that that we are called to move toward them, not go out of our way to avoid them, Not just keep our head down and walk quickly by them. Not even, I would say, to just look at them and say, hi, neighbor. How are you doing today? Fine. You? I'm fine. Right? That's all we do. But we we might be called to do a little bit more. So I want to ask us the question as we kind of gear gear towards the end here. I want to ask the question, why is it that we aren't more engaged with our neighbors? Because I think we like this idea. This sounds really great. And maybe you're feeling a little bit of conviction like I felt this week. Like, oh, okay, I know, I know, I know I should be doing more to connect with my neighbors. Why is it that we don't do this? Why is this so hard for many, if not most of us? And I think that some of the things that we're going to look at over the the course of this series, reasons that we don't connect with our neighbors, one being time or lack thereof, we're busy. We talk about this a lot, right? We're busy people. We have jobs. We have lives. We have families. We have kids and grandkids to raise and to care for. We are busy people. I have church stuff to do and volunteer at, you know, all the churchy things. We're busy people, and we don't have a lot of free time to invest in our neighbors. I think one of the things that keeps us from connecting with our neighbors on a deeper level is fear. Ooh, we're afraid. 
We're afraid of feeling uncomfortable. Because I have neighbors that don't, from, from where I can see and what I can tell, they live very different lives. And I'm afraid that getting to know them is going to make me feel really uncomfortable because I'm not going to know how to act around them. I think if we got brutally honest, we would say that we just aren't ready for the demands that are likely going to come from caring for our neighbors. I think that we're just not ready to handle the demands because it's going to be really costly to invest in the lives of strangers and our neighbors. It's going to be really costly to put ourselves aside to love our neighbor as ourself. We got the self part really well. We love ourselves really, really well. But I don't know that we always do so well with loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. It's costly. It's demanding. I think about the Samaritan and what it cost him. Not only did it probably cost him his pride, because he went out of his way to help a despised Jew who despised him, but he also gave up wine and oil, expensive items, to, to care for the wounds and heal the wounds of this man. He gave up his time to, to carry him on his donkey into town. Probably cost him a lot of time to do that. And then he, he just kept shoveling out money to pay for the stay as long as it took. It was very costly for the Samaritan to show love to this man, to this Jewish man. And so I think we can recognize that, that if we're serious about this, it's not going to really be easy. And some of you are already doing this really well. And I know this from hearing from you. We were just hearing in Sunday school this morning, you guys, some of you are loving your neighbors really well. And honestly, I want to learn from you. I want to learn from you how you're loving your neighbors because some of you guys are doing this really, really well. The stories I heard in Sunday school this morning just blessed me. I thought, well, they need to be preaching this sermon. <sighs> it's going to be really hard. It's really costly and tiring. And so I think if we recognize how serious this is, we have to recognize that it's going to take two things. It's going to take a lot of prayer. A lot of prayer. Prayer that the Lord would get all the junk out of our hearts that keeps us from doing this, from actually showing up for our neighbors and loving them and, and helping them. It's going to take prayer that, that we would be willing to do what, what he's asking us to do, that we'd be willing to walk across the street and have a conversation with the neighbors. It's going to take prayer that, that we would know how to meet them where they are because probably we're not going to know what they need, but Jesus knows. So it's going to take prayer to discern that. It's going to take prayer. We need to, to pray things like, Lord, where and how can I act out the kingdom today in my own neighborhood? Lord, where can I see and help whom Jesus sees and helps in my neighborhood? So it's going to take a lot of prayer, but it's, all, it's also going to take a lot of intention. you got to be really intentional. If you're wanting to connect with your neighbors, it's something that's so simple and it's so organic, but it's, it takes a lot of intention. You're going to have to kind of work at it before it becomes something that you do naturally. And so I want to provide you with some tools. I was hoping that if I provided us with some tools that maybe this would get us started somewhere. So out in the foyer as you leave today, you're going to find two things. And one is going to be this June prayer emphasis. And this June prayer emphasis, for each remaining Monday in the month of June, I've got specific things that I would like you to commit to praying for and about. 
And I even put a specific time frame on here because I really want you to commit to doing this and not just say, oh, yeah, I'll pray about it. But my hope is that you'll really commit to praying on Monday mornings at 8 from 8 to 9 a.m. or Monday evenings from 8 to 9 p.m., somewhere around that time. My prayer is that you will, will really carve out some time to contemplate what you're called to do and how we're called to live and, and that you would pray that we would be willing to actually do that. And so I've got prayer prompts for each remaining Monday of the month. So please grab one of those and commit to praying about this. And if you're like, I'm already loving my neighbors really well, Pastor. You said it yourself. I'm already doing a great job. Pray for the rest of us who aren't. Because many of us aren't doing a great job. Pray for us that we would and that the Lord would open up opportunities. Or pray for your next neighbors who aren't in your neighborhood. Okay, so that's one, that's one tool I want to give you. The next one is I want to give you one of these charts that you can take home and hang on your fridge. It's just like the graphic I showed you up there. And some people might look at this and think creepy. Creepy that you've got the names of your neighbors and something written down about them that you know about. Some people might think that's stalkery and creepy, but I like to look at it as a blessing and helpful and nice and convenient. Something that can help you to see the names of your neighbors or for some of us to see the blank spots because we don't know the names of our neighbors. And so my prayer is that you would take this home, hang it on your fridge or somewhere where you're going to see it often, and I want you to write down the names of your neighbors that you know in the, in the, cor- in the corresponding boxes. And if you don't know their names, that's where we need to start. We need to start by learning their names. And then under their names, if you know their names, I want you to write something you know about them that you would only know after talking with them. You can't write the color of car they have. And then I want you to also have a space. It's not, you might need an extra piece of paper, but I want you to also write down something that you can pray about for your neighbor. I've been praying about this because, you know, i got to be a pastor that, that doesn't just preach about this, but I recognize that I have to do it myself, and, and really I needed to start doing it before I preached at you to do it. And so there was one day where there was a particular neighbor who I hadn't uh, been able to connect with at all yet since we've lived in, in the area, and this neighbor was mowing their lawn one day, and I just felt the Lord saying, all right, or she was, they were sweeping their sidewalk. And I felt the Lord say, it's time to go meet your neighbor. You can't get up there and preach to all your people about meeting their neighbor if you're not even willing to go meet yours. So I was like, okay, all right. So I did. It's just scary sometimes. It's hard sometimes, right? It's hard for us to step out and do that sometimes. I don't know why, but it is. And so because God is so great and because he is so faithful, and I'm here to testify this morning, that I didn't just learn my neighbor's name I didn't just learn something casual about them, but I also learned of a deep need and burden that this neighbor carries for their family. That all came out in one conversation, and I'm just standing there in awe, trying not to cry the first time I meet my neighbor, because that's weird. But I was just thinking, like, God, of course you did that. Of course you unfolded all of that information so that I could see that you are in this. That this neighbor that I've avoided for particular reasons... You were already there preparing the way for me to connect with this neighbor and pray for this neighbor and know how I got to show up for this neighbor. So I'm just here to remind you this morning, if you commit to doing this, get ready because God's going to show up and he's going to give you opportunities and you better be ready for him, right? We better be ready for him. So as the praise team comes back up, I want to tell you about a few more things. 
Because we don't want to be a church that just talks and preaches about being good neighbors. We want to practice being good neighbors as a church too, right? We are in this building on, on Lake Christine Drive, and I don't know if you've noticed this, but we have a lot of neighbors. We have a lot of neighbors. We know some of our neighbors. Some of our neighbors are, are us. They're a part of us. But we got a lot more neighbors. And so it is, it's my prayer, and, and, and the church board, we've talked about this. We have got to start getting out and connecting with our neighbors, we got to start meeting them where they are and learn their names and their stories. And then maybe we can learn how to be a church that shows up for our physical neighbors that are outside of the church walls here. And so because we want to be a church that, that doesn't just talk about being good neighbors, but we want to be good neighbors, we've scheduled a cookout with our neighbors over here in the apartment complex. Over there, wherever that is. <laughs> We, uh, we're going to have a, a cookout with them on June 24th. So mark that down in your calendars. June 24th. We're just going to provide some hot dogs and hamburgers, and there's a pool out there. And so hopefully as the, the families come to swim, we're not going to swim in their pool because that's not our pool. It's their pool. But we're just going to show up and, and have some, some hot dogs and hamburgers and information about our VBS coming up. And we're just going to be out there to connect and learn the names of our neighbors. That's something we should be doing, right? That's something we should be doing, so we're going to do that. And that's not going to be the only time we're going to do that. That's going to be a regular part of our calendar going forward, having intentional time to connect with our own neighbors outside of this church building. So I hope you'll come. I want to share one more thing with you. Sorry, there was a lot today. There was a lot of groundwork to lay. In this book, the author talks about how... Um, he gathered with a group of pastors in the Denver area. That's where he was pastoring. And the, the, a bunch of pastors in the Denver area were, were getting together because they realized that their community needed some help. And these pastors recognized that there is a burden in their community, and, and we need to get together and talk about how we can start helping and loving our community. And so they invited the, the mayor of, the neighbor, of their community to come and join them. And maybe they'll learn some things from the mayor because the mayor knows stuff, Right? So maybe we can learn uh, some areas that we can serve our community and, and are dreaming and praying about how churches might join forces and show up. So as they talk to the, to the mayor, the mayor lays out this laundry list of needs the community has, and we know these well. Things like drug and alcohol abuse, at-risk kids, areas with dilapidated housing, child hunger, loneliness, shut-ins with no one to look after. The list goes on and on. And then the mayor said something shocking to these pastors. I don't think he meant it to be shocking, but it turned out to be pretty shocking. The mayor said, the majority of the issues that our community is facing would be eliminated or drastically reduced if we could just figure out a way to become a community of great neighbors. After the meeting, one of the pastors blurted out, am I the only one here? that's a little bit embarrassed. Because, I mean, here we are asking the mayor how we can best serve the city, and he basically tells us that it would be great if we could just get our people to obey the second half of the great commandment. Simply put, the mayor invited a room full of pastors to get their people to actually obey Jesus. I'd say that, that we have a similar challenge 
that we can't just be people who talk about loving God with all of ourselves and loving our neighbor as ourselves. We got to be people who do it. And we're not going to run out of neighbors to love. I'm just here to tell you. So I, I want to encourage you to start by learning their names, learning their stories. Because before we can begin to help a wounded person, before we can help a broken situation, it really helps to know their names. So let's learn their names and their stories, and let's pray that the Lord would meet us there as we do that. Please stand and sing this song with us this morning. I have decided Have you decided to follow Jesus? If so, my prayer is that you will follow him right into your neighborhoods. Follow him right into your communities. Loving the people there just as he would love them. Being ready and willing to serve them just as he was ready and willing to serve them. If we're going to say we've decided to follow Jesus, we got to follow him right into those broken homes and situations, right? Let us be willing to do that. Let us be willing to commit to doing that. 
I hope you all received your communion elements. If not, we can make sure you get those. Does anybody not have communion elements? Just slip your hand up. Are we good? Everybody have them? I think we're good. Well, friends, on the night that our Lord Jesus was betrayed, he took some bread and he broke it. And he said, friends, this is my body broken for you. And then after supper, he took the cup and he said, friends, my loved ones, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant. It is poured out for you in the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would bless this bread and this cup. I pray, Lord, that as we receive these elements together this morning at the same table, I pray, Lord, that you would be mysteriously seen and known at this table. That we would see you and know you that we would fill ourselves with more of you, that we would be ready to leave this table, go out into the world, and empty ourselves for you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for being with us and going before us. Amen. Friends, this is the body of our Lord broken for you. May you take, eat, and be thankful this morning. And this cup represents the blood of our Lord Jesus that was shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. So may you take and drink and be thankful this morning. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Well, before you leave, I want to share just a few quick announcements this morning. I already shared with you about our prayer emphasis for the month of June. And get ready, be practicing, because we're going to have another one in July, okay? So I, I please take one of these. There's plenty, so please take one. Please commit to praying on Mondays at, at, at this time frame and know that we're going to be praying together, praying for our own neighborhoods and praying for our neighborhood right outside the walls of our church. And I, I hope you'll take one of these uh, Who Is My Neighbor graphics, put it on your fridge, and begin to learn or learn more about your neighbors if you already know them, okay? All right, so um, also I want to remind you guys about the Whiteside uh, Lunch Program. That's going to start this Tuesday. So this Tuesday, June 8th, we are going to gather here. Um, the exact times should be in your bulletin. I think it's somewhere around 11, and we're going to assemble the lunches, and then we're going to leave from here kind of together in vehicles, and we're going to go to the sites and, and drop off these lunches. Um, so if you would be willing to help with that, please see Pete Hill. If you don't know who Pete is, you can see me and, and let me know, or Karen, and we'll, we'll make sure we get you down for that. But we're excited to begin doing that this week. And then finally, ladies, don't forget about the bridal shower for Brianna Skelton Ready. That's going to be this coming Saturday, June 12th at noon. Uh, please RSVP today if you have not already. You can see Sandy uh, or Karen, okay? All right. Well, brothers and sisters, I'm excited to journey with you as we grow uh, closer to our neighbors and as we learn more about them. My prayer is that you would go in the grace and peace of our Lord. Love your neighbor as yourself this week. You are dismissed.